Hello, welcome to the podcast. Today is Thursday, August 26th, 2021. And this is Joshua Engstrom with... Samuel Engstrom. Woo! Woo! I think Our last on... installment. We hope. Yeah. Part five. All right. We'll Are make any? it the last installment. Yeah. It's part four or five? Part five now. Okay. Yeah. Making pretty good progress through this I think trip. so, yeah. A lot to talk about. And we have a lot to talk about this episode as well. Beginning on some day of the week in August of 2021, I don't know when it was anymore, we left Rome and began driving north. We'd spent the full day doing the Colosseum and the Forum and the Palatine Hill in Rome and seeing, you know, the things that we hadn't seen yet. But at night, at about 6 p.m., we took the bus back to the airport to get George, the van, and head north into Tuscany. Uh, our mom had been so thoughtful, and I don't know how she heard about it, but she knows that wine tasting and cooking courses are very famous in Tuscany. Maybe it's just something everyone knows about except for us. But she booked us a a wine tasting and a cooking course, how to make pasta ravioli. So we set off towards that. Uh, it was booked for the next day, I believe. Yeah. And so we had to make a bit of progress. I think we were a bit, not tired of the ocean, but we were ready to have some other type of body of water. Yeah. So we went to a lake that night, Lago di Bolsena. It was beautiful. The... The water was, it was so warm. It was like a warm pool, and um, we ended up finding a spot right by the beach. Um, it felt like a local area, so it was it was nice to be in a more calm. Yeah, and it was know, actually a, a holiday, and it was it's like family day in Italy. I can't remember the name, but there were lots of families there, but it wasn't overcrowded in any way, and it was all locals, and it, yeah. it felt a bit more fun. We didn't really plan it, but we ended up spending, you know, most of the morning and early afternoon there just hanging out at the beach. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. Um, super warm water. The water, the warmest water we'd had all year. I think so, yeah. Yeah, probably 30 degrees. Uh, very comfortable. Yeah. But then we set off north again afterwards. I got a few souvenirs at a towel shop, so we get some really big picnic blankets. But did we make it? Oh, yeah, we reached just outside of the place for the wine tasting, kind of halfway between Pisa and Florence. Yeah. And we stayed the night, I believe. Yeah, we stayed the night just so we could wake up and go early to the wine tasting and ravioli making and everything. Yeah, we had to be there at <clears throat> 9. Um, but yeah, so we made it on time. Uh, we, got, we got a little lost, but... Um... Google Maps kind of failed <clears throat> us. Yeah, but then when we got to the place, it was just beautiful. We started the tour with a, or the day with a, a vineyard tour. Yeah. <clears throat> where we went around and, uh, yeah, and like this little carriage behind a tractor, which was really fun. Yeah. And um, they told us all about the different wines they make, and we got to take a look at all the And how you can grapes. tell the difference between, like, different types because the shape of the leaves and... Yeah, it was super interesting. <clears throat> So they make about 30,000 bottles a year there, which we thought was a lot, but they said that that's like a very small amount compared to other places. 
Um, but yeah, then we went into the um, wine cellar and had a, a tasting. nice wine tasting. Yeah, we tasted like six wines. Yeah, super fun. Yeah. Um, My favorite was called um, Punta Longo, which means like a long wine, which was very, what did they say? Was it the full-bodied one or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's a Punta something, and that's more of like the strong wine. Um, apparently they're one of the only ones in the world that make that type of wine because it's more quality over quantity. So you can't make very much of it, but it's, it was, it was like a very punchy wine. It was yeah, really And they don't use any chemicals or anything on their farm. The only thing that they do is they dust or spray the wine leaves with copper, which apparently doesn't have any type of chemical reaction with the actual leaves, but it keeps um, just bugs that eat the leaves off of them. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of important when yeah. you're trying to grow grapes. Totally. It was very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know too much about wine, but I thought it was tasty. My favorite part of the tour, though, or the day, I guess, not really a tour, but it was kind of an experience, I guess, was the pasta making that we did right afterwards. Yeah, in the next room. I can't believe how easy it is to make pasta. You really don't need any ingredients. It Okay, so you need flour, egg. That's it. That's it. <laughs> just make sure it's good flour and you're yeah. good to go. Yeah, I mean, it's really just mixing it. It's a good proportion. I think it's 100 grams of flour to one egg. And that's about enough for one portion for one person. Yeah. Um I I they said that different size of egg makes a big difference in how much flour you need. So they said start with 100 grams and if you need more flour, you can always add more as you're kneading the dough. That's no problem. Yeah. But if you add um too much flour, you can also fix that by just Putting some water and putting yeah just a bit of water <laughs> but they said like usually you don't need to add usually the problem is not enough flour yeah but yeah super fun and easy that the instructor was great alex yeah alex right shout yeah. out to alex he was um he was fantastic and made everything so easy to understand and he's a yeah. chef in florence who comes out to the farm for like two months in the summer and or like at the end of the summer and works there and he really, he knew a lot about Italian cooking, I think. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, he was, uh, that whole day was fantastic. Yeah, super special. And then afterwards, they had a pool there. So we got to relax at the pool at the uh, wine, you know, at the yeah. farm. Yeah, so we, it, and it was a perfect day, honestly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was like a really nice gift from, from Mama, so. Thank you, Mama. Yeah. But, um... Samuel, when he gets back to Canada, he's going to do uh, our own pasta-making course with our mom. Yeah. We already did one with Farmer yesterday, two days ago, two maybe? Two days ago, yeah. And it turned out great. I think so, yeah. She it's so easy to do, and it, it is, it's so nice with fresh pasta. It tastes very different than store-bought dried pasta. Yeah, like so much better. really tastes the difference. Totally. Um, but after that... Our day was not done yet because we drove to the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And yeah, you forget those are on the same day. Yeah, totally. It felt like two days. Mm-hmm. It was. It was a really. Um, you know, I wouldn't spend multiple days in Pisa, but it was fun to spend a few hours there. Like they, 
it it's more of a complex than just the tower because it's you said it was called the Garden of Miracles. Yeah, the Field of Miracles. The yeah, the Field of Miracles. So it's this it's this big courtyard and the leading tower is on one end and then there's a massive church in the middle and then a big opera house. I think it's an opera. Um, all in marble. It was just a whole beautiful area. All surrounded by a wall with these beautiful grass fields around it. Yeah, like untouched grass. You're not allowed to walk on it. And it was beautiful. And it was so fun seeing every, you know, obviously you take the leaning tower pictures. The pose. But then you spend the rest of the time watching other people take them. And it's just like, it's so fun. Everyone's just uh, doing the exact same thing. It's kind of hard to get the right pose. We were... We have probably 40 pictures of each of us trying to get the right lineup, yeah. and only maybe five in total I looked think, good enough. Yeah. Yeah, I got to go through those on my phone because I have maybe like 100 photos of Joshua getting close but not <laughs> actually getting it. The Leaning Tower of Pisa was kind of special for me to visit because my very last project that I did in engineering school, it was just a small course, and it our project was to pick an engineering failure. And so me and uh, another person, a girl named Delia, we studied the Leaning Tower of Pisa and identified why it broke. And it was super, or, you know, failed, why it started leaning. It's super, super interesting. Um, and with the corrections that they're making to fix it, because, well, the Leaning Tower has been continuing continuously leaning further and further every year for about almost six or seven hundred years and um yeah i don't know should i talk a little more about how it failed or um maybe just a little synopsis okay um so there's a near a, a river nearby to Pisa that goes through it. And every year when the glaciers melt or the snow up in the mountains, the river floods. And so every year the water goes up and down a little bit. And the ground soil underneath the Leaning Tower of Pisa isn't very consistent on the north compared to the south side. So there was almost like a force in the earth pushing the tower to one side. And every time that the water level rose in the earth because of the river, the uh, consequence was that the tower was almost lifted up millimeter or fractions of a millimeter and then put back down in the same place again. But 700 years of that has resulted in, I think the most was a seven or an eight degree angle uh, off of center that it was leaning at. And it was... Um, a major problem and they've started correcting it by uh, pumping out all of the water in the area and putting weights on one side of the building other things as well but it's cool and I think that they're happy with where the lean is now where it's still leaning but I mean, it's safe yeah yeah you don't really want to correct the leaning tower of Pisa too much I guess yeah it really it it really leans I mean you know, obviously. You but stand you, underneath it. Uh, yeah, you feel like it's, like, falling on you, honestly. Yeah. Um, it was a very special place. Yeah, uh, it would have been cool to go up because apparently the builders, when they built it, it started leaning during construction, and so the builders tried to cover it and kind of hide their <laughs> the problem by building on the second and third and fourth floor, I believe it is, one 
side, the south side of the building, has higher walls than the other. So the floor is actually at an angle inside of the building to try to correct it. So in a way, the tower kind of curves. Yeah. But you don't notice it. And <laughs> apparently yeah. it's kind of strange being in there because you can tell something is off, but you're not really sure what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe another time we'll go back. Yeah. After that, however, we headed north. Um, that was our last entirely peaceful day of yeah, the rest I of the trip. So. Uh, chaos was soon about to ensue. But we camped at a nearby river and met some Danish guys. And uh, Danes aren't all that bad, apparently. No, it was a good time. Yeah. We gave them, they just made it into Italy. They were like two days into their trip. So we gave them some recommendations about you know, where we stayed because they were in a car as well, sleeping in it. Um, yeah, it was a good night. Yeah, a nice spot, it was fun. Good swimming spot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, especially the swimming there in the river was so nice. Really yeah. refreshing. Yeah, lots of fish. and Yeah. It was fun. Uh, that day, the next day, I suppose, we set off north from Pisa in that area, towards the Carrera Marble Mines, the quarry. We had kind of low expectations. We didn't know what to expect. But as you drive closer to these mountains, they're very tall. And it looks like they're all snow-capped, covered with snow on the top. But as you start driving up the mountain towards the quarry, you realize that all of the white is just marble. Yeah, up on the mountains. They're just mountains of marble. It looks like, if you watch Lord of the Rings, Minas Tirith. It is this... That white city. The white city of marble. and Yeah, where the last final scene is. Yeah. And it's huge. There is so much stone there. And you can see parts of the wall have been cut off sheer, where they they get the marble slabs for, I don't know, they still use it nowadays. It's where Rome got just about all of its white marble. Mm-hmm. There's different colors of marble from different areas. And we got right up into the quarry. We literally walked in. There was there was no... I mean, there was a small chain that we weren't supposed to go past, but, you know, a chain did You have to go into the marble mines. Exactly. It was incredible. So cool. Just sheer marble... You know, there's just so much of it. And, and knowing that that's been, that was the resource that they used for, you know, 2,000 years ago to build Rome, it was pretty special. And yeah. there was little pieces of marble everywhere on the ground. So we took quite a bit of marble just yeah. kind of laying Samuel's around. bag is filled with rocks now. <laughs> yeah, rocks bringing home wine. rock souvenirs. Yeah. Um, but we were going to try to, we each got one rock that's big enough to try to sculpt something out of. Yeah. So once I get back to Edmonton, I'll buy some rough sandpaper I don't know what I need, maybe a chisel or something. And yeah, I think I'm I'm prepared for myself to completely screw it up. Yeah, me too. I'd be happy just even trying. Yeah, I'm just going to take my time with it. Yeah, I think we'll that's the trick. Yeah. Maybe we're like the new Michelangelo's. Yeah, could, maybe I'll do a little mini David. Yeah, I could be Michelangelo, you could be Raphael. Well, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um... Yeah, so we grabbed our rocks, our souvenirs, and started heading down the mountains. And the rest of our trip was yeah. very stressful. I was the driver on the way down. 
Um, oh, before we went down, we went to a souvenir shop and got marble that... Honestly, if you got that marble, if you got the things we bought anywhere else, it would have been, like, five times the price. Yeah. Like, it was ridiculously cheap, and we got, like, such amazing-looking marble art pieces. Like, I got this really nice, pure marble, super smooth rolling pin for baking and pasta making, and it was 10 euros, when as usually... I could see it being sixty or seventy yeah. euros. It was it's high it's high quality. Really pure marble. But it's just because the people there they get the marble for free. They just go outside their door. They pick up a piece of stone on the side, and it's like, oh wow, this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and then they make it into something. Yeah, um, but yeah, on the way down, um, it's kind of a, a little bit like Positano and the Amalfi. It's just like a one lane road, kind of heading down this mountain. A lot of turns. And, and uh, yeah, and there's this crazy semi-truck driver who I guess you know was working at the at the marble mines and he just flew around this corner so I slammed on the brakes and right when I slammed on the brakes the um the brake control system locked up and a bunch the of lights came on emergency lights came on and all of a sudden the back right tire was locked and we were making like a huge skid mark behind us so I stopped rolled backwards which kind of unlocked it and then went forward again and then I just touched the brakes and they locked up again so we had to kind of engine brake into this yeah. little side there was lucky like there was kind of a flat area on the side and so we should also mention that one of the lights that came on i think it was the only light other than the abs light was um the emergency brake light which was kind of strange we weren't really sure and so when i bought the car or my dad bought the car the old owners told us that sometimes when it's really cold outside, the emergency brake locks where you engage the emergency brake and it won't unstick. But we, it was kind of strange because it was hot out. It wasn't as hot as Naples, but it was still probably at least 30, 35 degrees. Yeah. And so we got out, we checked it out. And it was kind of hard to see, uh, inside the brake partly because as we tried to take the tire off the entire jack broke or the <laughs> yeah like, we couldn't even take the tire off yeah everything started going wrong again Every, yeah we were feeling it we it was like the panic was starting to yeah. mount and then joshua took a look inside the hubcap um at the um i figured this out or i i learned this from joshua but the way brakes work is there's two pads on either side of a disc uh, called the rotor that turns with the wheel and when you brake the pads just squeeze the disc essentially yeah and we had no brake pads left really like we knew they were pretty low already but now we saw that the rotor had cracked right through it like the rotor pretty much was cut in half like this thing was barely well one of the or there on was one like a side big, yeah, yeah big crack going through it and so we thought, okay, well, well, at least we know the problem. Let's well, try we to thought roll we down. did. Um, because, well, the other thing was we, we called our dad and had him on FaceTime. And the the crack in the rotor was covered in rust, which doesn't really make sense if it's a new crack. So um, we, we made the decision that well, we couldn't get help up in the mountains. It was... We were, yeah. we just, it, it wasn't working. And the car still moved and the brakes still worked. It was just, we had to drive 
like 10 kilometers an hour with the lights on and if anyone came we'd just pull over and let them pass um, and we got down to Genoa somehow yeah yeah which was kind of a or it like was a it was bit, it was kind of closer to portofino yeah beautiful coastline and it sucked because you know we were just worried about the brakes it where the car was making the worst sounds uh but so we were kind of like rolling into this we we're like hey well let's just stay here tonight yeah um so we found a good spot actually right in this parking lot we and, got to um, swim in the ocean for last time yeah we got to relax and we actually tried making our own pasta from our new pasta recipe which well, turned out really we didn't great try we did make we pasta absolutely succeeded it was fantastic so that it, lighted it boosted our, our confidence yeah, and we the had wine some helped wine. too and... and then the next morning uh things with the brakes we were we were very optimistic too optimistic yeah well they seemed fine like for we got once we got down off of the mountain we kind of checked things out again and everything seemed like at least like it did the day before yeah at least that it did we were worried that after our experience in germany that if we took it to a workshop you know this we should have been a bit smarter about this and safer but if we took it to a workshop they would keep our car for two weeks there, charge us like 5,000 euros just for like storage and uh, labor the fixing and, and, and the labor. And we'd just be screwed. So we thought, well, if we can get it back slowly to Sweden or to even to France or somewhere, then, you know, Italy, they, they, they don't have the best uh, customer service is what we're saying, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's a little difficult to find great, great service in Italy. Totally. But from our experience. Yeah, so we kind of decided to wing it, I guess, and just hope that, you know, if we would keep testing the brakes and if something happened, then we would stop and, and do something at that point. But maybe we could kind of limp back to Sweden and go slow on the highways. and. Yeah. And so the next day we're driving towards Genoa, well, towards Milan, but we had to drive through Genoa first because of the roads. And this, I was driving, and this truck in front of us stopped or braked. Um, and we were going pretty fast. And I, you know, we had quite a bit of distance between us, but I tapped on the brakes, and it felt like they didn't work, like genuinely. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? So I engine braked and got out of the way and... um we slowed down we were actually the the truck had stopped because we were coming to like a toll station on the road yeah and as we slowed down i pressed on the brakes and they were working still but they're very soft like usually if i tap on the brakes i feel it but now i actually had to like push Slam halfway yeah like yeah. felt like slamming them and so we pulled over and we uh we let the car kind of be for a minute we weren't sure exactly what was going on we thought you know maybe i don't know <laughs> i don't know what we were thinking yeah but we thought we'd wait and see and then what happened then uh, well then it, this oh, was at the gas station right yeah yeah so uh, Josh took a look at the tire and kind of saw that it was a little wet in the wheel well. Yeah. So we thought, oh, shoot, like, is there, you know, brake fluid potentially? So we thought maybe, like, you know, there might be a bit of a problem with the brake fluid. 
And so we're, we're calling and, and we look in the brake fluid reservoir and it's almost empty. So we think, okay, well maybe it's just a brake fluid problem. Maybe we just ran out. Um, so we went and bought more brake fluid and then I took a look at the wheel a little closer and I started seeing it was just dripping. It was like drip, 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 drip with brake fluid. Like we had pretty much torn the brake fluid line, like the, the pad down there. The pad and was so worn down that it literally started to strip the caliper. I don't know if that makes sense to whoever's listening, but the caliper, it's like a big piston that gets filled with oil, brake fluid oil, and it expands when you brake. But when it's dripping, like has a leak, it, make, yeah. it can't push the full pressure onto the brake. So it's like, that's why they were soft. And in our case, every time you press into brakes, because we tested it, it would spray brake fluid out. Essentially, it's a centralized system, so if that brake doesn't work, all the brakes don't work if it's a if it's a brake fluid issue. So now we were stuck with, okay, well, our, we kind of sat there for a while thinking about what we should do. Well, and our it, first we, thing, we called, we called our dad. We called our dad, and then we called, I want to say, like 15 different car service places. And in Germany, and... in Germany, people answered when we had that brake problem, but then we would say English and they would hang up. Yeah, they wouldn't even be interested in dealing with yeah. us. Yeah, and if they did, they, would, they, would, they said there was no problem, you know, but at least they answered. In Italy, no one even answered. It was the middle of the day and the shops were open and it was because we had a Swedish number, I think. I think also Italians are just on vacation right now. Yeah. Apparently this is the worst time. Like no one answers the phone is what I've read since then. <clears throat> But it was just awful. We called, yeah, 15 to 20 different mechanic places, and we each called them, and we each called all of them multiple times. <laughs> yeah. So we made probably 40 to There's 50 phone calls There's nothing worse than just sitting each. on the phone, just getting hung up on over and over again. Or but like then, not but then even answer. Okay, we're losing brake fluid. Um, but then our dad, um, he called and he said that, uh, so our uncle's friend's daughter lived in Italy. I think that's her name's Hannah. And um she li she's Swedish and lives in Italy. So he said that if we give her some numbers, she would call a few places on her break at work. Because our problem was not just that we couldn't reach a mechanic, but if we did reach a mechanic, no one speaks English in Italy. Yeah. So we needed an Italian to translate for us pretty much. Or, and you know, it had to be them. a Renault dealership that had rotors brake pads and calipers. Oh, well, that was the ideal. I mean, we just needed, yeah. honestly, we just needed a, a mechanic shop that was open. Yeah, but we were expecting to have Joshua stay in whatever town this um, shop was in yeah. and then me fly back to Sweden because we thought it was going to take at least a week. They said it was going to take a week just to get one bolt at, in Germany for yeah. the calipers. And now we're like, yeah, well, this is much worse than a bolt. And we're in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, anyways, Hannah really pulled through. She yeah, saved us. We, she we gave her maybe like six or seven phone numbers of different mechanics that we thought were the best options. And she got through to one of them somehow. Yeah. And she, this is our uncle's friend's daughter. Like she doesn't know us. And yeah. on her break at work, took the time to do this. It was amazing. And really nice. she ended up calling us and saying that we could go to this one place in Milan, which was about an hour away. Maybe. Yeah. Something like that. But um, it was a direct route on the highway, so there was no need for braking. We checked if there was any, like, uh, 
big turns in the road if there was any construction and it seemed yeah. clear to Milan. And we thought that as long as there was brake fluid in the system, it would there'd be enough pressure. It's just when we run out that's the problem. So we bought like five or six things of brake fluid, like little bottles, bottles yeah. and filled up the reservoir and immediately got on the road to go to Milan. And um so we're driving very carefully. Like, Josh, I don't think you touched the brakes on the highway the whole time. I did not and... touch the brakes a single time all the way to Milan because I was worried if... So there's brake fluid, but when we press the brakes, it ejects a bunch of it. So we really only have two or three good brakes in the system before we have to stop and fill up brake fluid. Yeah. So I did not touch the brakes the entire way from Genoa to Milan. Yeah. It was... It was tense. It's pretty freaky. But we, yeah, we ended up making it into Milan. And in Europe, um, I don't know if it's a new thing, but they have these things, uh, they're like limited traffic zones in the cities. So you can't drive into the city unless you live there. In and the it, very like center of the city, at least. Yeah, and it reduces um, traffic so that pedestrians are safer and there's less pollution in the cities. And we agree with them, but sometimes you, you like pass a sign and it says, uh, you know, the limited traffic zone and you have to stop because the um there's cameras and they like automatically take a photo of you and send you like a hundred euro ticket it's so like very expensive if you ticket. see a sign you have to stop and figure out a way to turn around anyway so we're going we're kind of limping our way into milan and milan is covered in these things like there's signs everywhere that's like the first exit's a uh, limited traffic zone but the second isn't and if you go left it is but straight it also is. So we're taking like the second right and the the third left and we were disagreeing on which way the signs were um, taking us. I was right about every single sign. No, we the, la out. the last one, you told me to turn right. No, left. So we had... Either way, we're still bickering about this clearly. Yeah. But anyways, we're rolling into Milan and we're taking all these weird turns and we ended up kind of going down this hill, like small hill, towards a canal and... I thought we had to go left. Josh thought we had to go right. So Josh starts turning right, and I'm going, no, Josh, there's going to be a camera here. We're going to get a 100-euro fine. And Josh, we're freaking out. So Joshua kind of corrects the turn and turns left, and by this time, we're, gonna, we're going maybe five kilometers. Like, we're going we're very, very slow. Very yeah. slow, like kind of, you know, inching. You but walk George faster. is a big van. He yeah. has a pretty big turning radius. Yeah, so we're turning around, and then we need to brake... Um, because we kind of have to do a three-point turn now. And um, Josh <laughs> presses the brake. There's no brake. It, like, we Literally just kept rolling no towards brake. this canal. I had canal. the brake pressed to the floor, and nothing happened. Not even a little bit. Yeah, and I could see Josh was slamming on the brakes. Nothing happened. And we roll into a barrier beside the canal. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, put it into reverse, because I'm like, I don't know how else we can brake. Yeah. Also, the emergency brake on the car doesn't work, because... The emergency brake on this car is connected to the back right tire, which is the, the problem The only tire. one that broke. So our only options of braking were uh, one, engine brake, two, put it in reverse while going forward, or three, Samuel gets out and pushes the car <laughs> from the front. <laughs> so we, but the fourth one was hitting a barrier. Yeah, actually. Yeah. So that's what ended up happening. If we, there wasn't this big rock barrier, we would have driven into the canal. We in the think. Middle of the line. Yeah. There was um, a good. It chance didn't even damage the car. That's how slow we were going. But it was slow enough that we probably would have gone over the edge. And then, and then we ended up being able to after that work our way back up to the main road and into. 
kind of the shop area. We were really close to the shop, and it was on the close side of the Milan. We were on the south, and the shop was on the south. Yeah, which was perfect. And as we pulled in, the 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 workshop chief, the owner, this guy named Mar- Marino. Um, it was like 6.15 and they closed at 6.30. We barely made it. Just in time. And w- when we rolled up, I had to jump out of the car and stop it from the front. I, like, I was I was slowing George down by pushing him to a stop. And so we got out and Marino, he didn't even take... I mean, he, he was prepared to take the, the car, but he was looking for the problem. And he just did a visual inspection and he got to the back right tire and he stood up and was like, Mamma Mia. <laughs> he looked so mad at us. Honestly, I was mad at us. It was it was not safe. It was reckless, too reckless. I mean, we didn't really understand the extent of the problem yeah. until it was too late. We knew it was a bad problem, but I think we were a bit too hopeful. Optimistic. We were also on a time crunch because Samuel had to be back in Sweden before his flight. You know, not that's an excuse, but there was kind of everything was coming down on us at the same yeah. time. But we made it safely. Yeah. And then we went into... Um, we uh, just stayed at a hotel because he took the workshop so he could work super early. Yeah. Um, but we stayed at a hotel and I have a friend from Elite, uh, from um, Portugal, um, my friend Elicio, who stayed there that night. My friend Elicio that I stayed with his neighbor, or a friend that lives up just just up the street, Walter, would come by Elicio's place almost every day to just say hi through the window. And I knew he moved back to Milan. So I messaged to see if he maybe wanted to go have lunch with uh, myself and maybe Samuel if our car wasn't done in the morning. And he was happy. He was sounded excited. So in the morning, we called the shop, and they told us it would be done at about 2 or 3 so we thought, okay, we'll go into Milan, have lunch with Walter, and um, maybe we'll see the city a bit and then head back. And it was such a good thing we did because we had a really great time with Walter. Yeah, new, new, very good friend for sure. He was, uh, he was such a pleasure to, to just hang out with all day. Really fun, super nice guy. And uh, he offered to come with us to the workshop that afternoon to help translate for us so that we both got a good price and so it'd be, we'd understand what was going on. And, um, yeah, well, he called, Walter called the workshop, and apparently in Italy, 2 o'clock means maybe 5 o'clock, probably 6, maybe, <laughs> yeah. more likely tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And so we were calling the workshop every 2 or 3 hours, and finally they told us it would be ready at 6 p.m., so Walter, uh, we'd been out having ice cream and beer with him, and um, like I mean, not so much beer that we we're drunk, but just a beer, because we had to drive. We were optimistic about driving, but uh, we took lime scooters with him back to the workshop, and Marino is probably the most Italian man I've ever met, and Walter said he's the most Italian man he's ever met and he's from italy <laughs> marino's the man marino is we the love man him. Yeah. yeah he he used to be a pretty much the equivalent of a dea agent yeah dr- like a, a drug, drug cop. enforcement yeah and he he had like a pistol mounted on a marble slab and he took it out and was showing us his pistol and well, he was so smoking a cigarette inside at first he said come into this room he brought us into his office and 
translating through Walter, he said, sit down, you're going to have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're like, okay. And uh, Marino starts at first talking to Walter and then starts yelling at him and starts gesturing. And he starts gesturing towards us and towards outside. And we're like, oh my God, what have we done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we are in big trouble here. It turns out that's just how Marino talks. <laughs> but the, he said the problem was very bad. Um, he said that he called us, uh, what was his words, crazy motherfuckers who want to commit suicide, <laughs> and the only reason we're alive is because Jesus was in the car pushing it towards the workshop. Yeah. Jesus was with us. Jesus was with us. That <laughs> is he was the pointing only at the reason. cross above Joshua's head. And we couldn't, we couldn't. He was trying to tell us this directly, and is in his. He doesn't speak English, and we weren't understanding him. So to get the point across, he pulled out his gun and aimed it at us. He said, "You crazy, <laughs> you crazy!" <laughs> uh, oh my god, it was such a fun encounter, and we, we ended up getting. Uh, we had a bottle of wine that was called, it said Merino on the front. The night before, we went out to the grocery store and we bought some food and a bunch of beer and wine because it was a stressful day. Yeah. And we found a bottle called Merino because it, and just because it shared the name with the mechanic chief from the day before, we were like, oh, this is great. But we were so thankful to him that we gave him the bottle of Merino wine. And I think he really liked us. He was so happy with the bottle of wine. It was like the end of the day for him too, so he, I think he was excited to drink it. Yeah. But he ended up, uh, you know, he, I think he liked us so much, we had such a good time together, honestly. Uh, we asked just, him for like photos of him with the gun. Yeah, and, he was posing with yeah. the gun. And he was smoking a cigarette in his office. Anyway, um, he took 200 euros off of our final price just because he he liked us. He, he scratched it out. and So sometimes it, you know, it... We didn't give him the bottle of wine expecting anything like that. We no. were genuinely thankful he could get it done in a day. That that was like best case scenario. Um, but sometimes, you know, uh, things come around and he, he really came through for us. Yeah, and we also, we were kind of excited to drink the bottle of Merino wine. But that was the consequence of our uh, break misadventure was we didn't get to have the experience of tasting Merino wine. We couldn't find it again. Yeah, so. but that's okay. He yeah, you it. know, I mean, we're alive. Yeah. Yeah. But after that, he had fixed the brakes. It was amazing. In just six hours that day. Yeah. They were from 9 to like 6 or 3 or 5, 4 p.m. or something. Yeah. And um, we asked him, well, is it okay to drive all the way back to Sweden? And immediately, he he wasn't worried at all. He said, it doesn't matter. Jesus is with you. He's clearly You'll with be you. fine. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we were we felt pretty confident, actually. Yeah, we felt because, yeah. Um, uh, the brakes felt great. We, we drove we, north to Lake Como. We camped there for the night and beautiful in Lake Como. Lots the, of rich people. It was a very very wealthy area. We George could, Clooney has a villa there, and yeah, they filmed some Star Wars and James Bond movies up there, but. It was it was really beautiful. We didn't actually see much of it, but we took a swim in the morning, and it was we both agree it was the cleanest water we had swim in. It wasn't the Ever. warmest, but like even compared to lakes in Canada, this was perfectly clear. Yeah, it was it was beautiful, beautiful yeah. water. You can tell why people like love this lake, why it's so famous. Yeah, and then we um, headed back. We we actually drove through 
uh, Switzerland, we had to anyways, and we did a short two or three hour detour through Lauterbrunnen, where Samuel did uh, a big hike a couple years ago. Uh, we spent the night there and just kind of walked around the town a bit. And Yeah, it was nice to, to show someone. It was a solo uh, eight-day um, hike thing, so it was, it was cool to show someone where I was, and it was a special place, so I was happy I got to share that with Josh. Yeah, really cool. If you get the chance, I would recommend it. I think there's, what, 70... Yeah, 72 waterfalls in the valley. Yeah, one valley with 72 waterfalls. It's very cool. But yeah, we made it back to Sweden safely. We we drove a long time, probably 18 hours. Yeah, we off and on at like with the two of us taking shifts in, in south of Sweden. And, but we made it. We made it. And we uh High five. Yeah. Look at us. It was an eventful trip. All of that in just 3 weeks. It was uh it was crazy. There was ups and downs, but the downs made the ups so much better. Yeah. I'm I'm so happy to have this trip with you. Uh, yeah, you I, honestly, it was probably one of the best trips of my entire life. Me too. Yeah, I can't believe it. It was uh, it was only three weeks, and it's one of those trips where you're sad it's over, but so much happened that you know you feel okay coming back to Sweden and having some downtime. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm gonna miss you, Samuel. It's gonna suck when you're back in Canada. Yeah, I know. It it will suck. I'll miss you too. But I'm sure we'll have another trip someday. And make sure you call. I will. You too. I will. <laughs> I um, you, Samuel. Give me a hug. Um, I think that's probably yeah. the end of the episode there. Yeah, maybe um, I'll be on the podcast again in the future. Yeah. Do you have any parting words for our listeners? Um, I hope that, uh, you know, all the loyal listeners on here were okay with me being on. Yeah. Uh, I've never done a podcast before, so it was pretty much just a conversation, it felt like. So hopefully it's entertaining in some way. Yes. Um... I think also we, we talked about Lao Tzu and the Tao, Tao Te Ching, a very famous book. And there is a, a quote in it that kind of, I felt like it applied to our trip. Uh, one moment, Samuel's looking at I, I don't want to get it wrong. It's uh, very fitting, though, for, for the trip and I guess life in general. Almost yeah, got it the... here. Uh, just... Uh, look at your phone for a moment or something while while we look this up. Oh, we found it. We found it. Yes. This is, uh, I think this was a good, a very good quote. A good traveler has no fixed plans and is not intent on arriving. We were just happy to arrive eventually. <laughs> yeah. But by the end, we didn't really have any intent to arrive. You know, we were okay to just be stuck in Italy and me fly back or whatever like it you know, we learned a lot about just um step backs and you know sometimes bad things happen but it, it's always it'll be okay you, you know you, it, a good traveler you have no fixed plans things happen things happen well we are about to turn off this episode but have a great day yeah have a great day thank you for having me thank you for coming Arrivederci. Arrivederci.